everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. My name is David Chen, and no sudden move, more like no sudden retirement for Steven Soderbergh, that is. Wow. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. <laughs> Look forward to my gangster script about the rise of the Pentium processor. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Just to be safe, I'm not going to move at all. welcome to the show everyone you can find more episodes of the podcast at slashfilmcast.com email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com that witty banter you just heard is a reference to our main review happening later on this episode a review of No Sudden Move the newest film by Steven Soderbergh with an all-star cast it's just debuted in theaters and also on HBO Max this past week and for the After Dark which is available exclusively to patrons over at patreon.com slashfilmpodcast uh, we are reviewing the limey, the limey today. I'm, I, I had pitched this, mm-hmm. and the reason why uh, I suggested we should review Steven Soderbergh's 1999 film, The Limey, is because because it's perfect. Yeah. Well, I remember there being rapturous reviews about this when it came out, uh-huh. and I didn't quote unquote <laughs> get it. You know, I, I was like, this is not sure, bad, sure. but that, I, was, I that was teenage David Chen. Yes, you know? yes. Early David days. Chen has matured so much since then. <laughs> So uh, I was like, let's let's revisit it, you know, because sometimes sure, I, sure. I come back like uh, out of sight. I remember watching that movie and being like, what's the big deal with this? Now it's like one of my favorite movies. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I was like, is the same thing going to happen when I rewatch the Limey this week? That's available again exclusively to patrons who sign up for our After Dark tier at yes. Patreon.com slash film podcast. So and watch the iTunes version of that movie because they that just is did a 4K. the 4K restoration. They it just did beautiful. a 4K remaster yeah, is my understanding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and before that, we got some uh, what we've been watching, some weekly plugs for you. But before any of that, we got to talk real briefly about somebody who passed away uh, in the world of film this week, a titan of the industry, Goat. somebody, who, somebody mm. who's made movies that so many of us love that were so important we owe to everything many to of our, him. Yeah, uh, yeah, or many of our childhoods. Richard Donner passed away this week. Uh, yeah, so t- tell me more about that, Devinder Hardware. You said you owe everything to him. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? By I mean, that? That we as a culture. Oh, yeah. everything to Richard Donner. Like this guy. Um, I, 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 I don't understand of, why people don't put him with Lucas yes, and Spielberg. Yes, like mm. he'd be the third name that is mentioned, you know? Absolutely. And maybe it was because he he had a bad run in the 90s, you know, in the 2000s. Like he, he didn't end so did uh, Lucas. As, as big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he didn't end as big. But this guy gave us The Omen and Superman. And Superman was such a formative movie for me growing up um i you know i enjoyed watching that at home with my parents but they also told me stories of them watching it in theaters you know when that movie first came out and that movie for me gave us a glimpse at like superhero movies that feel textured and layered and as deep as like you know uh, a shakespearean drama or something but they're still funny and romantic and man we did not really see much of that in the 90s huh it seems like we just kind of <laughs> no. forgot the lessons of Superman. Um, well, so arguably yeah. set mm-hmm. the template, right, for yes. a lot of the MCU, I would argue. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. there's so much yeah. that like an Iron Man draws from Superman in terms of 100%. The, the tone yes. and just like the even just the structure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this guy helped in many ways to create the modern superhero industrial complex and and helped to make uh, kind of the the type of movie that we know and love today. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And but also, it, The Omen. Like, yeah. he, he worked across genres. Scrooged. A movie yeah. I grew up loving. Lethal Weapon. Lethal I, Weapon. I, I, Goonies. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Goonies. I mean, yeah. You know, and, and even his, like, 
his B sides, his like lesser. But there's the the mar- marquee things: Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, Superman, Scrooge, like these bi- these big like massive uh, cultural footprint movies. But then like Maverick is amazing. It's a fun movie. <laughs> it's yeah, a great it's a movie. Lot of fun. Yeah, Lady Hawk, Radio you know? Flyer. I Radio love Radio Flyer. Flyer. Dude, yeah. There's like his B sides are mm-hmm. better than most people's A material. You know, even the toy is a super subversive, weird, oh, yeah. dark movie. I watched that movie a lot growing up. Yeah. That movie is weird. It was just on TV all the time, right? It was just like <laughs> mm-hmm. constantly on TV. I'm going to uh, say Assassins has given culture one of my favorite gifts of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Which is uh, yeah. Antonio Banderas like typing on a computer, leaning back and just putting just his hand it. on his just mouth and being super so happy with himself. So great. Yeah. Written by the Wachowskis. You know? yeah. Yeah. Even even his B-sides have given so much to culture, right? <laughs> and uh, I agree with you. Like it's 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 You cannot understate how much he contributed. So... Yeah. Jeff, do you have a favorite of all that stuff we just said? I mean, it's hard to pick anything other than Superman the movie. Yeah. Um, for me, when I was a kid, Superman 2 was the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, it wasn't until I was older that I appreciated the first one more. But when you're a kid, like, superpowers versus superpowers is what you want, right? You want, you know, the first movie is Lex Luthor is just kind of this you know, bumbling goofball who uh, it goes up against Superman. It's not as exciting as Zod and the, you know, yeah. actual superpower battle in the, in the middle of the city at the end of that film. Played by Terrence Stamp, by the way, yes. who uh, is the star of The Limey, the movie we were reviewing in the After Dark today. So I will oh. always kneel before him. Uh, yeah. But also learning about the Donner cut and everything too, right? Of yeah. Superman, that whole thing is like, man, this guy, this guy just knew what to do. Yeah, but but like you, Devendra, I basically watched Scrooge every year my entire childhood around Christmas time. <laughs> that movie is not appropriate for kids. No, but, uh, yeah, not at all. Yeah, I, I also watched <laughs> have you it tried every year. stapling them to the mice? <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it's great. It, it, and Goonies, you know, Goonies is. I, I, I wasn't a Goonies kid, but oh, I, really? I appreciate oh, people who love me. Goonies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a big big deal for yeah. for me and. But yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to pick a a bad one, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he kind of fizzled out in the in the late '90s, early 2000s. But um, I mean, it's just like massive movie after massive movie, like really important, well made, mm-hmm. fantastic film after I, another. I to recall, Dave, you uh, you being really excited about Timeline. Uh, I don't think that's correct. I I really loved the Michael Crichton the book. book on which it was based. I, do I don't remember this. being psyched about the movie. I heard it wasn't that great, but uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a fan of uh some of his late uh late work, like Conspiracy Theory, the yeah. Mel Gibson Julia Roberts movie, and again Assassins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy was you know some people don't like his his later work, but uh, I thought there was a lot of craft still in, in a lot of that work. So Absolutely. didn't he? He created Tales from the Crypt, right? So it's like he's there's a lot of that. I don't recall on. that he directed multiple episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I he feel, created. I feel like I brought a Maverick oh, yeah, and you guys created. scoffed, but that movie's awesome. No, it's fun. It's fun. And it, like it was doing what we're doing now uh, with these sort of. Um, <laughs> Uh, what are they called? What, what have we been calling them? Um, uh, sequel reboots. What's the portmanteau that we we were calling them? Uh, uh, legacy sequels. Yeah, legacy. That, that is a term sure, coined sure. by Matt uh, Singer over at ScreenCrush.com. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sequels. Maverick is like the original legacy sequel, right? I don't know of one that existed before that, where it took this old TV show, kept all the characters, re you know, added a new generation, and like 
brilliantly. I think mm-hmm. I, I, that movie's awesome. I love that movie. Yeah. So uh, we've really lost a great one, Richard Donner. Man, rest in peace, and thanks Thank for, you for everything. everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's truly ninety-one. Amazing. It's a good long life, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right, folks, let's move on to what we've been watching this week. There is a lot we have been watching this week. I will start by talking about a new movie that's out right now called Zola. Uh, have you guys heard of the movie Zola? Devendra, I know this is on your radar. Absolutely, right? yeah. The movie based on the viral Twitter thread, yeah. Yeah, so this Twitter thread went viral several years ago, uh, and the author of the Twitter thread uh, got hundreds of thousands of followers, and you know, five years later, now there's a movie that's been made from the Twitter thread. Um, I'm going to read the plot summary uh, from the internet. Zola, a Detroit waitress, is seduced into a weekend of stripping in Florida for some quick cash, but the trip becomes a sleepless odyssey involving a nefarious friend, her pimp, and her idiot boyfriend. That uh, sounds like it's longer than 140 characters. Uh, I think it <laughs> well, was like multiple a, 140 characters. Uh, it was yeah. like a 148 tweet thread, if yeah. I recall. It was, it was a something. novel. It, it a was thread. over yeah. 100 tweets, basically, was the thread. And at the time, people were like, this is incredible storytelling, this thread. And so they're like, let's make a movie out of it. And I got to say, I think the results are a little bit mixed. Here's what's great about this film. First of all, the main stars of uh, this film uh, Taylor Page and Riley Keough are amazing. Uh, they are superstars, and I, I look forward to them being in more things in the future, and I think they're just extremely talented. Nicholas Braun, who plays Cousin Greg in Succession, is also here. He adds Love a lot Greg. of... Um, Love me a Cousin Greg. Yeah, he, he, also, he adds a lot of like uh, comic relief to the film. And okay. uh, Coleman Domingo uh, is in this film, and he is playing a rather ominous, threatening presence in this movie, but he does a great job as well. So uh, I love the cast. The look of the movie is really interesting. It looks like an A24 film. Does that make any sense to say that? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when, yeah. you, when you've seen of A24 films, like, like, there's, there's almost like an aesthetic that they start to share. What I mean by that is it uh, looks like it was shot on film, like extremely saturated scenes, like very moody lighting. Uh, that's how I describe a lot of A24 films. And I think what this movie does is shine a light on the scourge of sex trafficking in America mm-hmm. and how easy it can be for people to be caught up in this unwillingly uh, and how rapidly just like hanging out with a friend, someone you think is a friend, can escalate into a terrible situation. So I think that like uh, that is what is great about the movie. And I think anything that brings attention to this in, in a way that's grounded and interesting uh, is worthy of praise. Uh what I'm not as big of a fan of is, first of all, the movie's only like 85 minutes. And even at that length, it feels like it's kind of padded itself out a little bit. Like, it, it just feels like, it, I mean, it's it feels like it was based on, oh, I don't know, a tweet. <laughs> a Twitter thread. Please, please, let's not be inaccurate in your <laughs> derision, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that uh, it, it, you know, the, the original Twitter thread, if you go back and read it, it's available online. Um it's an amazing thread. Like you read that thread, you understand mm-hmm. why someone would think to make a movie out of it because it's so creative uh, with its use of language. It's like uh, it's like maximizing what is artistically possible with the form of Twitter storytelling. For right? sure, yeah. yeah. And the movie just, it, it, first of all, it's a completely different medium, right? But it doesn't necessarily capture that electricity that you get when you read a thread like that. 
and so I think that is a little bit unfortunate. This does not feel like a, you know, extremely rapidly escalating, uh, what do you call it? The, um, the guys who made uncut gems, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Safties. And, uh, yeah, the Safety Brothers. This doesn't feel yep. like a Safety Brothers movie in terms of its pacing, right? You watch Good Time or Uncut Gems, you're like, "Wow, I, I, this is this thing is out of control, and I I don't even know what's happening, and and anything could happen at any time." And you definitely feel like anything could happen at any time in this movie, but it is very, very deliberately paced. And so I think ultimately that it's an interesting experiment. Uh, I don't think it's a bad movie, but I don't know that it captures the full potential of that thread in terms of its pacing, in terms of the storytelling, in terms of the themes. But there's some good things about it. So a little bit of a mixed bag, but I do think it's worth mentioning because there's very few things out there, very few movies out there based on a viral Twitter thread. right? And so just like the fact that they've made one is worthy of pointing out in and of itself. So... Those are my thoughts. So what you're Zola. saying is, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's amazing that someone made a movie. <laughs> a Twitter thread became a at movie. all. Yeah, it's yeah. so true. It's so true. And you know, I, now that you point that out, I haven't been saying that at the end of our review. Yeah, you, you missed it last night, I, last oh. week, and I and I uh, almost pointed it out, but then I thought, no, he's just going to be mad. No, at me. you got to point it out. You got to point it out, Jeff. All Call right. me on that stuff, okay? Yeah. But uh, yes, that is correct. Uh, I try to end every slightly negative, or actually, no, any review of any movie. Uh, by saying that uh, at the end of the day, it's pretty impressive that uh, Janiska Bravo, in this case, the director of this film, made a film because it's really hard to make a film. And anytime someone tries it, it's worthy of praise. Okay. The other thing I want to mention uh, that I watched recently is this 1990 film, uh, 1995 film called To Die For. This is starring yeah. Nicole Kidman yeah, yeah. and uh, directed by Gus Van Sant. Have you guys seen this movie? Oh, yeah. I don't recall seeing it, but in I the remember 90s, it being I a saw big it. thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have not had a chance to uh, had not had a chance to watch it until recently. I'd always heard it was great, never had a chance to see it. Didn't she get nominated for this? Yeah, she uh, was not. Nicole Kidman was nominated yeah. for a BAFTA. Oh, and she, not she an Oscar. Won a Golden Globe and yeah. uh, and a Best Actress award at the first Empire Awards. I don't think she won an Oscar for this. No, I know she didn't win, yeah. but I thought she was nominated for Best Actress. But maybe hmm. I'm wrong. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a big deal at the time. It was a big, big movie. So Nicole Kidman plays a woman named Suzanne Stone who is obsessed with being on television. Yeah. And she kind of marries this small town guy and then uh, finds that that life is not for her and takes some extreme steps to uh, remove herself from that situation. And you find out, like, literally, I think in the opening five minutes, like, what happens is that her husband, played by Matt Dillon, has been killed. And the rest of the movie kind of unravels what happened there. And I watched this movie again because I had heard it was great, never had a chance to see it, and I saw it was available on Hulu. And so I thought, let's check it out. And I was pretty impressed by the movie. I think there's two things that are worth pointing out about the movie that are are pretty great. Number one is... Nicole Kidman's performance is excellent. Uh, yeah. She plays a, 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 according to the Wikipedia page for this movie, uh, her character has been described as suffering from narcissistic personality disorder. And I think oh, she the pl- night. Remember 1995 <laughs> when we just 
that just felt like the strangest thing. Ooh, so it's yeah. such a unique character choice. Yeah, when, when someone like that wasn't the president for example. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that uh, she is so good in this film. She actually reminded me of like uh, Tracy Flick in Alexander Payne's Election a little mm-hmm. bit, mm. except much more deadly, um, <laughs> much more willing to uh, kill people. I wonder if and, she had any... Uh, anyone to base that on oh i don't know that she might have been married to you know <laughs> i don't i can't Allegedly. i can't say Allegedly. wow you're you're really going there yeah you're really going I, don't there. I don't know um but she is just so good like she's chilling the way she plays that role right and and the thing that is amazing about this movie looking back at it is there is a saying of like uh never never let them catch you stealing something small you know and <laughs> yeah. it just is like her dream is not to be a big movie star but to be like on tv like a, a, yeah. a weather person or something like that right and uh and she's willing to like go to great lengths for it and i really do think it captures something about what it's like to be a person on the internet today uh mm-hmm. and yeah. i think Free that the internet when, basically too yeah well, she I just mean, wants to be an influencer guys this movie would be, it would yeah. be very difficult for this movie to exist today obviously because this this woman would just be on instagram and tiktok you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. there'd be no uh gatekeepers preventing her from living out her dreams um mm. but i i think that like in recent past we've seen influencers and online folks uh, go to greater like do more and more outrageous things like Logan Paul going to like the suicide forest being one of the biggest examples of that. Yeah. And, and the, the, the fighting, the, the USC stuff too. Like right. it's all. Yeah. And, and it's like, wow, wow. What would compel Logan Paul? What would compel a, a nice young man to film and upload a video of a suicide, like a dead body in a suicide forest? Yeah. And the answer is that, our online systems reward increasingly outrageous behavior. Like you are getting millions of dollars per year for doing increasingly outrageous and offensive things. And so the system is like telling you like, Hey, the more offensive you go, the more you will be rewarded monetarily with fame, with fortune, with followers. Mm -hmm. And it drives people to do extremely unpleasant things. Yeah, this sounds like a good pairing with Nightcrawler, honestly. Yeah, no, it's great. It's uh, exactly that's a great mm-hmm. uh, comparison. But it, uh, this is totally a film that, in my opinion, is still worth seeing just because Nicole Kidman is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, so, and also you get a sense of how what a powerhouse Gus Van Sant was at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like I, he's kind of receded. I mean, I'm, I'm I don't know, he's older now, I guess, but he hasn't really had a a big film in in quite a while, and but. You know, in the sort of mid to late nineties, he was he was kind of knocking him out of the park, you know, and and this was a a major major film for him. I think he was kind of one of the um guys that defined the nineties and and really uh mm-hmm. put his mark on cinema history. I think he was a big, big influence in that period. Yeah. He did To Die For, Goodwill Hunting, Psycho, the remake, and Finding Forrester, four movies in a row, each of which did pretty well, except for the Psycho remake. but But the psycho remake like what an audacious thing to do you know like it's it's an interesting big swing to take yeah and his his whole reasoning for that i don't know anyone who prefers the remake to the original but it's like wow like 
yeah. the fact yeah, that you I, would do that, it's, you know, it's, it's, right, you did it exactly. because it was it, interesting. Too. Yes, yeah. it's yeah. an experiment that yeah. I think I don't think anybody thinks was a home run, but certainly was a really interesting thing to do in the mainstream. Like that was a mainstream movie, you know, yeah. it's very yeah, interesting. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, the movie is to die for and it is available right now on Hulu. Those are a couple of things I've been watching this week. Zola and to die for. Hey, got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Babbel. This summer, are you traveling again? You can get the most out of your travels abroad by learning the language of your destination with Babbel, the number one selling language learning app. From ordering in restaurants or asking for directions to gaining a deeper understanding of the culture, Babbel makes the whole process of learning a new language addictively fun and easy. With bite-sized lessons that you can actually use in the real world, Babbel is a can't-miss travel essential. I have been learning Spanish with Babbel, and I have been loving it. It's so simple. It's so easy to keep up with it. It's 15-minute lessons, which makes it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. And unlike the infamous language classes you took in high school, Babbel designs their courses with practical, real-world conversations in mind. No longer going to the biblioteca. Things that you'll actually get to use in everyday life. And other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. But Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. There's so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use promo code FILMCAST. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com, code F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, for an extra three months for free. Divinior Hardware, hit us up with a couple things you're uh, watching this week. Yeah, I want to mention uh, that I finished The Underground uh, Railroad, Barry Jenkins' uh, epic show that's on Prime Video. And uh, just have to say, this show is a masterpiece. Everybody needs to watch this. It is... um, you know, I've talked about it before. It's about a young uh, slave girl named Cora who escapes her plantation. She's on the run from uh, basically a slave chaser or hunter um, played by Joel Edgerton. The story, like the, the show covers a lot of things that we've probably seen in other slavery narratives, but it does it in almost like a magical realist way. Um, it takes the concept of the Underground Railroad literally as if there was an actual railroad, you know, connecting Southern states that, um, you know, black people could actually get on to find some sort of freedom. And the series is really interesting too, because it covers um, every episode basically covers a different state. Uh, I I think some episodes are like two or three uh, per state, but it works like the chapters of the book as, as uh, Cora gets out of Georgia and heads to South Carolina and Tennessee and elsewhere. Um, it definitely feels like something adapted from a novel, but I, I I think like Barry Jenkins doesn't really do a straight adaptation here, at least from everything I've read. Um, this is a beautiful show. Like it, it's beautiful and painful and is exactly the show. I feel like everybody should watch right now. 
to kind of get a sense of uh, where we are as a country and what we're dealing with. You know, right now we have people in this country who are basically waging war and teaching history to kids. And to me, that is frightening. W- you know? w- waging war against teaching history to kids, right? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Waging war against people who want to teach right. actual history. You know, yeah. where things that happened, uh, they've created a new acronym for it. They've made a new boogeyman. Um, but it's a lot of people who seem afraid to confront the actual racist history of this country, how slavery was a big part of what built America and how, yeah, we've never really reckoned with all of that. And I think the show, even though a lot of things in it aren't historically accurate, like that, like an actual railroad, um, there's an episode in South Carolina where there is a skyscraper, I think decades before the first skyscraper is built in the US. Uh, it feels true in a very, um, I, I don't know, in a, in a very like, narrative sense, right? It, it is true in the sense of like the experience people went through trying to escape slavery, the experience of people uh, feeling hunted and, you know, trying to find a place to survive in a country that doesn't really want them. It is epic. It is heartbreaking. Um, it took me basically, I think, two months to watch this show because every episode just feels so deep and so impactful. and You just kind of want to sit with it. I can't imagine binging the show, but however you watch it, I think you should watch it. It's fantastic. And yeah, it's, it's more Barry Jenkins stuff, guys. It is 10 episodes of Barry Jenkins magic, and it is well worth watching. It is definitely hard to watch at times, but I, I think everybody needs to see it. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's the Underground Railroad, and it's a series streaming right now on Prime Video. Uh, yeah, really, really glad you enjoyed it, and I hope people have a chance to check it out. I certainly plan to. Yeah. Anything else you've been watching, Devendra? A lot of a lot of things, actually. So I want to shout out Fear Street Part One, 1994, the first of the Fear Street trilogy based on the uh, R.L. Stein books which I grew up reading. I, I was always more of a Goosebumps guy. Than uh, yeah, I was Street. just going to say, yeah. I, I was more of Goosebumps. I read like yeah. literally dozens of Goosebumps. I've, re- I've read and like then, one or two Fear Streets and they're fine. And I, yeah, um, I always saw Fear Street and I was like, ooh, that's the other R.L. Stein book. Well, that's and when I, you grow I, up. When, yeah. when you're like pre-teen, mm. then you could get to Fear Street, you know? Um, and I, yeah, I, I, was, I was never a huge fan of this series, but this movie is a complete blast. Uh, it's directed by Lee Janiak. Um, who I believe they filmed this. Um, they filmed all three films at the same time, sort of like basically doing a TV show, um, except all the films are set in different time periods. So this one's 1994. I believe the other ones are like the, the 70s or 60s and then the 1600s. So it kind of goes way back. It tells a single story, though, of a witch uh, who has basically been plaguing this town called Shadyside. And this movie, this 1994 one, owes so much to Scream it is kind of hilarious and uh it is i think it's a slasher movie just like scream that is well aware of the genre and like of the conventions and everything the actual opening scene directly feels like a screen remake uh, i believe um marco beltrami did the score for this so even like this this movie sounds like scream in a great way it doesn't feel like a ripoff um i i think this is a ton of fun even if you're not a huge fan of slashers or horror movies um yeah this is a movie about a circle of teenage friends it's a group of friends who basically uncover this sort of like uh witch curse one of them basically gets cursed by a witch and their mission is to help their friend it's just a ton of fun i like all the characters um it's really it is a slasher movie that had me on my toes like it surprised me several times which is 
not something I expect from a Netflix slasher movie, you know? So I, I had a ton of fun with it. There are some crazy kills here that I probably, I've not seen before in a horror movie. Uh, it's creative. It's funny. It's stylish. Um, I feel like the one legit criticism I could put against it is that um, it's one of those movies that just puts a lot of songs in front of you, right? It is needle drop after needle drop. And definitely looking at Twitter, I, I saw that that annoyed some people. To me, it felt more like these songs were each giving us like an insight into specific characters, you know, kids and teenagers in the 90s. And even today, you, the songs describe you, you know, so I don't mind all the needle drops. I kind of want some of them to last longer, but it was still fun overall. I, I think it starts a little rough, but it gets much better like once things get in, into swing. And then by the end, I'm just like fully primed to see the next one. And that is coming this week, I believe. Like they're just coming one after another. So it's a Fear Street Summer on Netflix. And I think it's well worth watching. All right. That's Fear Street Part 1, available right now on Netflix. What else have you been watching, Devendra? A couple of other, other things real quick. Uh, have you guys checked out any of the new I Think You Should Leave? It came out Not today, yet, right? I'm, I'm, today. Excited. I'm yeah. so excited. I was thinking of it's catching so it before I like... Uh, started, you know, recorded the episode tonight uh, with you guys, but I didn't get a chance to do so. I it is literally going to be the one of the first things I watch yeah, after yeah. we stop recording. Tonight. I mean, it's it's six 15 minute episodes, like very similar to the first season, so you'll get through it really quickly. I've seen most of it at this point, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's still good. They they are just like banger after banger of weird, absurdist catch in this. Um, some are stronger than others, I'd say. But there's like there are some that have like a continued narrative throughout the entire season, which is a lot of fun. Um, I think they they are more aware that we're expecting things to get weird after seeing the first season. And after that first season basically became a meme factory, you know, <laughs> like it, it was just a thing that appeared everywhere and everybody was quoting it. And I just felt I love that reaction to that show because it was it was what less than 90 minutes less than 90 minutes of sketches, but it left like that is cultural impact, you know, like something that we keep referencing. Everybody uh, kind of knows what you're talking about. And even if you don't, if you see some of those clips uh, like turned into gifts or something, it's just funny. It's just funny online. So I, I'm loving the season so far. I feel like the thing I really want is to see like how their writer room works. You know, right. like, how do you, how do you boil down some of these concepts? How do you hone it down to, really short segments because it is just so dense you know if you miss if you blink for 10 seconds you kind of miss some key lines or some key setup for for a scene and i i think like it is it's just such a joy to have something that feels like it's just so creatively charged uh i'm really enjoying it and i'm really looking forward to re-watching it because i'm sure i missed a ton here so yeah i think you should leave still good if you like absurdist humor please check it out yeah, I think you should leave season two. And like the 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 motivating idea behind all the sketches is basically awkward social situations, pretty much, right? Sure, like it, sure. That doesn't encompass every single one, but I think it's just a, mm -hmm. it's about awkward social situations, <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons why it resonated so much. For sure. Um. Yeah. So but it's definitely it's more like people talk about like uh, awkward humor or like curb your enthusiasm stuff, right? Like I love the way the show cranks it up to way past 11 to like <laughs> mm -hmm. 20 right it becomes yeah. it becomes like pure absurdism in just like a really wild way it's not just like the the you know being in, a, in an awkward situation it is like levels beyond you know is it's, it's going to like the next plane of existence beyond awkwardness mm -hmm. and i mm -hmm. love that i'm mm -hmm. so excited to see if season two can take the 
take the title back from Auntie Donna. Because uh, <laughs> I feel like Auntie Donna, for my money, I know you guys sure, disagreed, sure. but for my money, uh, took took the crown from, you know, just barely, just barely, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see if season two can I like reclaim that. Yeah, that the crown. Fun. Yeah. Both, both excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. I think you should leave season two on Netflix. Uh, Devin, you anything else? Two quick links I want to shout out for some uh, some chill, chill watching. How about that? I think after the last couple of weeks and certainly the last year, I am definitely looking out for things that just have like a chill vibe, a movie I can put on and just kind of relax to. So I rewatched uh, Jim Jarmusch's Patterson. Mm. And this movie is just it is a delight. It is just so chill. It is about Adam Driver who is sort of like um, he's a city bus driver in Patterson, New Jersey. He's also named Patterson. Um, He is kind of a poet on the side. So the movie is about him observing daily life, uh, things in his house, a matchbox, things people say on the bus. Uh, Being a bus driver is kind of the perfect place to be observant and to like soak in the world. And the movie is about, you know, it's not really about anything. To be honest, like it is, it covers a week of his life. He drives the bus, he looks at things and he crafts poems. And I love how the, uh, the film like puts those poems together and you see him kind of rework it in his mind. Um, there, yeah, there's not, there's not like any major dramatic events in this movie. It's like, it's a guy who's driving a bus and, um, trying to write poetry and yeah, so things happen to his poetry eventually. But even then like that, that minor incident is kind of poetic and interesting in its own right. I think it's uh it's a ton of fun. Uh definitely worth watching. Um it's it's you know it's a Jarmusch film. So it is all about the vibe of it. It's all about soaking in this detail, but I love this movie. It is just so so relaxing. It's also like it's about so many things. You know, it's about being in like a creative relationship where you and your partner kind of do your own thing but support each other creatively. Um you know, it's about trying to find the beauty in the world. It is about so many things. And Am Driver is perfect in this. Um, I, I love the entire cast. Gul Shifta Farhani plays his uh, wife or girlfriend. I, I forget who exactly she is. But uh, it is, it's just great. William Jackson Harper is in this for a couple scenes too. And I love seeing him and everything. So if you want to chill and buy about for a while, watch Jim Darmush and definitely watch Patterson. Patterson is streaming right now on Prime Video. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Devendra? Shout out to The Secret World of Arietti, which is a Ghibli movie that I don't think uh, we really talk about much. This came out in 2010. It is written by Miyazaki, but directed by Hiromasa Yonabayashi. Um, So it is an adaptation of the novel The Borrowers. It's about little people who are in houses and kind of steal things from humans and have their own like little, you know, little environments, uh, little homes and everything. This movie also isn't about very much. It, It is about a sick a boy who comes to a summer home to stay. Um, He discovers the borrowers. He helps the borrowers and the movie ends, but it's so chill. It is so beautiful. Uh, It's filled with hand-drawn animation, Um, beautiful backgrounds. Um, Another great chill movie just to vibe to. I watched this with my daughter too, and she really enjoyed it because of uh, the sense of scale of seeing miniature, you know, like four inch people, trying to exist in a in a normal world, I think was really interesting to her. So I really enjoyed it. It's on uh, streaming on HBO Max now, along with all the other Ghibli stuff. Cool. That's The Secret World of Arietti, and it's on HBO Max. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching this week? Well, 
since we're on the subject of chill things to watch, <laughs> uh-huh. I thought well, I thought I'd mention uh, Star Wars Biome. Oh, okay. I thought you were. I thought you were going to be ironic. <laughs> no, with no. What's I in mean, the show notes? Right no, now. I mean, yeah. I'm just <laughs> you'll, you'll what Jeff, How about a chill apocalypse? You, yeah. You'll hear what Jeff mentions next, and you'll understand why yeah. I thought he was going to be ironic just now. <laughs> well, I thought we'd stay thematic, and yeah. uh, I, this. I, have either of you guys watched this? The Star Wars no, Biomes. No. It's on I've heard Disney it, Plus. Yeah. What yeah. What is this? Tell Tell us what it's it is. Eighteen minutes long. It is. So, okay, so you know how, like, in the last, I don't know, five to seven years, maybe a little more, five to ten, uh-huh. the, the sort of advent of, um, of drone photography has mm-hmm. given rise to a, a new style of documentary filmmaking, where you're getting these, these very grand, beautiful shots that are drone shots of nature, of, of uh, the earth, but visions of them that we've never seen before because it just wasn't possible before drone photography. It was these incredibly beautiful, uh, soaring visions of, of kind of inaccessible parts of the world. And, um, you know, previously, of course, lots of documentaries would use helicopter shots, but now the drones can get into tighter spaces. And you just see, I, I've noticed that there was this, you know, demarcation line of like, oh, okay, now documentarians are, can use this to shoot the world. Well, Star Wars biomes is, what if that, but for Star Wars places? <laughs> so the idea is that it is photographing fictional places that exist in the Star Wars universe, Hoth, Tatooine, Jakku, you know, all these places that that exist in, in the Star Wars mythos, but shooting them as if it's a documentary footage, like this beautiful overhead drone footage of completely fictional places. So there'll be these swooping shots over this icy tundra, and then there'll be like tiny little tauntauns running below, far below, you know? And, well, you know, it, it is incredible. It's, they're, it, they're really just milking this IP, aren't they? Yes, it's, it's, and why it's like not? They, they were browsing YouTube and they're like, oh, this this GoPro footage is really interesting. You know, this drone footage is interesting. Let's do this with the shit we got already, folks. It yeah. costs us nothing. I have no idea <laughs> what the genesis of this idea it was, but bravo. Like, let, yeah, let's create basically a nature documentary for a fictional place. <laughs> I think that is so cool. I mean, there's no story here. There's no, you know, Star Wars-iness other than these mythical fictional creatures that are populating these mythical fictional places. It's, it's, it's done completely, um, you know, completely straight in the sense that there's like no wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There's no like lightsaber battles or anything spectacular. It's just like, what if you could soar over these places that we've only seen in these movies? What would you see? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really the, um, I can't remember the name of the awesome salt planet in The Last Jedi, <laughs> but I remember it, what it tastes like. Yeah, yeah, it, it, dude, that sequence in this in Star crate. Wars biomes, crate, yeah, mm-hmm. crate. It, it is, uh, you know, these these slashing red marks of the layer beneath the the salt. It's it's gorgeous and super chill. I highly, highly recommend it if you're just looking to. Yeah. Zone out. People, my friend was like, I wish I could have it as a screensaver. It's like, yeah, it would be an amazing screensaver. It, it, it is that level of mm-hmm. entertainment in the sense that you're just sort of, you know, serene, but in the same way that I love looking at nature documentaries. It's it's really good. 
I think Disney has just gotten this stuff really down. I talked about the Zenimation series yes, before, yes. which is just like it is just ambient animation from like Disney. Uh, yeah, it's like a, a mashup uh, yeah. themed around like waterfalls or whatever. It's like every Disney movie that used a waterfall. <laughs> here it is. And you get yeah, some really. sound effects, and but no dialogue, you know, no story. Yeah. It is just very chill. Uh, yeah, sounds like they've just like mastered this art. Love it. I highly recommend it. It's like I said, 18 minutes well spent. It reminds me of uh, The Simpsons. Like, remember Alf in pog form? Uh, <laughs> it's basically like, remember the biomes of Star Wars in drone footage form? <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, what, let's just remix like different permutations. <laughs> yeah. Of... But, it, but it's really well done. It, it doesn't cool. feel yeah. like just like a crass cash grab or anything. It, it's like somebody took a lot of time and effort to make this feel... Like there's a sense of verisimilitude to it. It, mm-hmm. it, it feels like you're looking at a real place, you know? Because well, they're, they're probably just using the assets they have already, right? Like I, I can't assume you, they're like building new shit for this show. Well, I would love to know cool. what the mixture of, it, it, like is this all CG or is there a right. mixture of real earth footage that's been repurposed or doctored in some way? I, I don't know. I'd love to know. Yeah, I think that uh, what's what's cool about it also is that like when you're watching a TV show or a movie or playing a video game, um, like so much work goes into creating those backgrounds, right? And yes. most of the I time- I think about this all the time, Dave. I think about this yeah. all the time. As I'm like speeding <laughs> through a level, I'm like, right. that's years of somebody's life. Years that of I just somebody's like- life. And, it's, and, and, and by the way, like the objective of the game or the movie is often to divert your attention away from that to something else, Yeah. right? Like you're watching the main characters on screen. You're not looking closely at the background. If you're looking closely at the background, like the storytelling has failed in some way. Right. right. So people put all this work into it just to set the mood, just like ambient for you to like understand kind of in the background, like what's going on. Your brain is making the connection of what's happening. And now you have the opportunity to kind of celebrate those things. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Linger a bit and, and look at how cool this design is. I think that's a great way to think about it. Well, that's Star Wars Biomes. It's streaming right now on Disney Plus, and it is one of the things that Jeff Kanata has been watching this week. Hey, I want to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh. HelloFresh is fresh, pre-measured ingredients, mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. What does that mean? That means that tonight, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, I'm not exaggerating, before we started recording this podcast... My in-laws came over, my, uh, my wife's father and stepmom, and I made dinner for them. We got the family-style HelloFresh box, which is four, four meals, four adult meals, and I cooked it. I cooked for my in-laws HelloFresh. Delicious. It was cherry balsamic pork chops with roasted green beans and couscous with thyme. It was like a delicious gourmet meal, I cooked it fast. It was like 30 minutes or less. It was on the table. I got to impress my in-laws. I got to be the chef that made the delicious meal. Both of them were like, this is really good. You're quite the cook. My my uh, my stepmother-in-law said, you're going to have to come over and cook for us. And I was like, only if you have HelloFresh. HelloFresh has improved my life. It has made me impress my in-laws. It's made my life simpler. It means that I don't have to go to the grocery store nearly as often. I don't have to overspend at the grocery store. 
I have much more variety in what I eat and what I feed my family, our menus. They have over 23 meals every week that I'm choosing from. Part of the joy of HelloFresh is looking at the app and picking out my meals ahead of time. It's so great. There's something for everybody. And these are all designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. And I'm saving money. It's 28% cheaper to use HelloFresh than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing the quality. Like I said, my in-laws thought it was restaurant quality. It's flexible, it's easy. <laughs> it's, I've been using HelloFresh for years. I buy it every week. And now you can too. Go to HelloFresh.com slash filmcast14 and use the promo code filmcast14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T-1-4 and use that promo code filmcast14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. You're gonna love it. Jeff. I also, yeah, I also checked out the big movie of the week, which I, I'm shocked we didn't even do review as a main review because everybody's <laughs> talking about the Tomorrow War. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is is everybody talking about it, or is Every, Amazon just dude, like put in the ads everywhere? You, yeah. The night that that movie came out, my entire Twitter feed was people I did see watching that, that I did movie see that. Yeah. and like live tweeting their experience of watching it. <laughs> Dave, I understand you also watched the Tomorrow War, all two minutes and twenty seven, two hours and twenty seven minutes of it. Uh, I did watch the Tomorrow War. That, that movie's is two and a half hours long. It's it's two hours and fifteen minutes. Or that's still uh, way too long. Two 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 twenty, okay. I think. But yes, it's it's a little bit over two hours. And full disclosure, uh, I work at Amazon. I used to work at Prime Video. I don't work <laughs> at Prime Video anymore. Um, but uh, yes, I, I I will be very. Uh, I'll have a light touch in what I have to say about it. But Jeff, I'm so so curious what you thought about the Tomorrow War. Well, I'm going to shock you, Dave, and tell you I actually had a great time with this movie. Wow. I, I right. know. It does a lot of really dumb stuff. I'm, I'll be the first to admit. A lot of really dumb stuff. It's way too long. Way too long. But this is the kind of thing that you just don't really get anymore. You know, it's, it's pulpy sci-fi and original script, I think. It's not based on anything, I don't think. Which, super rare to get a big budget... Uh, you know, ambitious sci-fi epic that isn't based on an existing IP of any kind. And it's got really big ideas. Yes, some of them are clunky. <laughs> yes, the, anytime we deal with the characters or their life, <laughs> kind of doesn't work. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But there's uh -huh. enough, and it's way too long, way too long. But... There's enough there. Like th the ideas of this movie are pretty rad. It is a full on sci-fi mishmash of like, it's got time travel. It's got aliens. Yeah. It's got intergalactic war. It's got, uh, it, it's like the, you want sci you want it from sci-fi. We got it here. We got spaceships. <laughs> yes. Aliens. You got it. Absolutely. Do time travel. Step right up. You know, it's like it. And I will admit, I will admit, it doesn't all work great, 
But man, I was digging it. The action sequences are fun. The the alien evil aliens are awesome. Uh, the ending is freaking crescendos in a cool way. Like, I I was into this movie, man. I was into this movie. I thought it was uh, I thought it was fun. It's totally the kind of movie I usually take a crap on because it's it's so <laughs> boneheaded. You know, we, we I, just reviewed Godzilla versus Kong. I, I feel like, yeah, yeah, Jeff. This, I, I, dude, I think I had more fun with this than Godzilla vs. <laughs> That's Kong. what it's sounding like, and I'm going to watch true. this movie. And, mm, I did. Okay. I, you're not going to agree with me at all. <laughs> I know. I watched well, the trailer for this movie, and I think I came away with like five obvious plot holes. But yeah, I'm, I'm down for checking out whatever this thing is. I mean, uh, here's what I'm going to say about what I like best about the movie, okay, is I think the there, there's aliens in this movie. Uh, and I think the creature design is actually really cool. Like, yes, the the sequences with the aliens are genuinely frightening, and they're designed re- like aliens and the sequences are designed really well overall. I think, um, the, and the explanation of what they are is pretty yeah. cool too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I really, really appreciated about it. Uh, as you mentioned, Jeff, there's lots of cool ideas that are introduced in the movie as well that yeah. I'm not going to get into what they are right now, but um, would agree with you that there's some cool ideas, but. I do have one question, which is the beginning. The movie opens, and basically, there's like a big football game. People from the future appear in the football field <laughs> through a portal. Right? Uh-huh. They show yep. up as it's they the do. World Cup. It's the World yeah. Cup. World, World yeah. Cup. Okay. And uh, yes, br- British football. You see. Yeah. And uh, well, people from the future show up, right? And they say, uh, "Hey, we're from the future." 30 years in the future, like we've time traveled back in time. Aliens are attacking us. Okay. Like we, we are. And by the way, we're losing this war. Yeah. This tomorrow uh, war that's happening 30 years. Please join us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if that was the setup to a book, a story, real life, like that actually happened in reality, what would be your solution to that? Like what, <laughs> what, what, what would be the thing that you would do in that scenario? Right. Devendra, you have not seen the movie. I'm not. So, so, if people showed up 30 years in the future, they're like, hey, 30 years from now, uh-huh. we're going to be fighting a big war with aliens, and they're going to like be completely dominating us, and uh, we're basically losing. What would you react like? What 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 do you think would be a good set of actions to take mm-hmm. as a result of that? My first response would be, um, so you took the plot of Terminator, and you're just bringing people <laughs> back back with you to the future where they're all going to die. Isn't isn't the way timelines work is that you're supposed well, to fix that, the problems before that, they get yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was the one I was trying to illustrate is I don't tell know us that everything your first choice so that we can stop it right yeah, yeah tell us exactly everything. yes let's yes. let's stop it here why are we going there to die when you're already losing right so uh, what, what my, do, my main thing yeah their, their the solution movie, in the movie yeah. uh-huh. is let's ship people from the present uh-huh. to the future to help us fight in this battle that we're losing where right? they die yeah. I, I think the movie has a pretty rad explanation for that, actually, Dave. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, no, you make a solid point, right? And and I think like established sci-fi uh, lore would ha- would would lead you down the road. And I like the movie, the fact that the movie zigs instead of zagging. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. In that, so the people in the future are like, if they do that, we don't exist. That's right? your problem. People of the future, <laughs> that's your problem. You, if you change the timeline, we don't exist. Okay. We, like, 
It's only one lone maverick that thinks that we should do that. Everybody else is like, no, what we got to do. Well, this is a this is a resources problem. They're uh-huh. murdering. It's so I think it's so cool. They're like they're murdering all the people. What do we need more of? More people, people. than the murder. Mm-hmm. We yeah. need more people. People. Just uh-huh. thr- it's lit- this movie figuratively and literally throws people at the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, people are just meat. In this and, movie, uh, do, do the people in the present have a problem with this? Because literally, it is the first yes, like they start issue rioting and yeah. they start. It, it's it's a complete uh, disruption of of mm. human life. Nice job, it, people of the future. You're really, really helping cool. society here. Yeah, I think it's a really smart. Is is there yes. anybody from the future who's like, uh, <laughs> guys? It's really shitty of us to ask anybody to do this we're ruining and destabilizing their timeline we're gonna bring them back here to kill do they send them back traumatized from yes. the future war of yes. course they do of course they do how dare you future people <laughs> how dare you dude you gotta watch this davindra i do like I'm everything watch you're it. saying everything yeah. you're framing as being stupid maybe you'll think is stupid <laughs> i think a lot of people do think is stupid I think is is kind of clever. Yeah, you're not telling me it's actually not stupid. You're just saying the, yes, it exists. So yeah, the, the, yeah. The stupid stuff. There is stupid stuff in my opinion. The stupid stuff in my opinion is that everyone that our hero is a former military turned science teacher, and everyone he's ever come in contact with is the perfect person for what he needs in any given moment. Yeah, like it's, it's all Forrest very the situation very yeah. convenient for him at every like oh if only if we only could have a person who's an expert in this well uh, I happen to know that person um, that to me is the is the goofy and uh, and like all the family drama stuff where you know he, he learns a lesson about fatherhood and stuff mm-hmm. like that all of that is a little clunky. It also but, stars Chris Pratt, who I'm just. I think I'm done. I'm done with Chris <laughs> Pratt action star, mainly because of the Jurassic Park movies, because they've been uh, well, at they've least been that bad. first one killed yeah. killed him for me. And then he's had some others, which I was just like, yeah, I find him charming. I thought uh, I thought there were enough moments in this movie that kept me on the edge of my seat. I thought were super cool. It's, it's just mm-hmm. it's just a different take on these sci fi things that we've seen so many times. Like it's I think it's. I think it's got some really good stuff going for it, man. I mean, it's it from a good you director. It's from a guy who we first like, time Lego director. Batman. Uh, yeah. No, he's directed a bunch of stuff, like Lego Batman. Well, maybe his first live action, right? Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, he's did Lego, Lego Batman, Lego Batman 2. Um, he's worked on like a lot of animation stuff, but I really enjoyed Lego Batman. He's been a big yeah, part of the Lego movie franchise. So yeah, this, this seems like something he'd be good at. I did get this email from Mike from Missoula, Montana, who writes... This week, I watched a new movie on a widely used streaming service in which one of the stars of Guardians of the Galaxy teams up with the director of a Batman movie for a large-scale <laughs> blockbuster that involves the main character reconnecting with his daughter in the midst of an invasion of inhuman creatures. But enough about Army of the Dead, guys. <laughs> love, love it. Yeah. We'll talk about the Tomorrow War. Boom Goes Dynamite. Thank you for that, Mike. That is Missoula, a very, very skilled Boom Goes very Dynamite. Very good. Excellent yeah. work, Mike. Thanks the for writing of the Batman movie. That's that's yes. uh, that's, that's that's the zigging instead of the zagging right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for writing into that uh, to slash filmcast at gmail.com. Mike, appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, you, you, yeah. Dave, I know you uh, don't want to really spell out your feelings, but you didn't you didn't care for the movie. Uh, well, I've already said what I liked about it, and I pointed out one area that uh, <laughs> you might want to think more about. Yeah, um, Dave so received a visit from future Dave, and he was informed not to uh, not, not to say <laughs> not to exactly. 
<laughs> not yeah. to talk yeah. about the movie. Um, but uh, Devinder, maybe you can check it out. Maybe we can make it a topic of an after dark sometime. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll watch this eventually. It's been a busy week. Surprisingly, there's just so much fun stuff to watch. But then I saw everybody talking about Tomorrow War, so yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll watch it eventually. I, 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 Listen, I I'm, I'm not going to like die this. on this hill. I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not going to die on this hill. This isn't. This isn't my. You know, my my favorite. Movie. This isn't my chappy. You know, uh-huh. but it is. I did have fun with it. I was surprised at how much I liked it because I had low expectations. I will also say this, which is that I think that um, the budget is on screen. You know, what, what I mean by that is like, it was an expensive movie. It looks like an expensive movie. Like, again, the yeah. creature design is great. Some of the set pieces are actually like actually impressive and breathtaking. And so um, there's a yeah. moment where the creatures do something we've never seen them do up to that point. And I, I gasped. I was like, oh, that is awesome. Like, it, it gave me a couple of moments like that. And so I got to give the movie credit. Okay. It awesome. didn't like, it, it didn't overtly insult my intelligence. I thought it was actually kind of clever with some dumb stuff, but it wasn't like Transformers stupid. You know, it was, it was, it was fun. Fun. Agree completely about that. Like, it's definitely smarter than a movie like Transformers. I mean, it's a cohesive yeah. narrative. So, yes, yeah, it, it, it's actually a, at least a somewhat cohesive narrative. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that is the Tomorrow War. It's streaming right now on Prime Video. Jeff, anything else you're watching? Yes, I had a chance to binge watch. I couldn't turn it off. I watched all five, six episodes, uh, hour long episodes of the Comedy Store documentary. That is also on Amazon Prime streaming right now. I don't think this is super new. I think it's a 2020 release. I didn't know of it um, before. Um, maybe this is, I watched it on Amazon Prime, but maybe it was one of the new channels that I picked up. I can't remember. The point is, I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I'm pretty sure it's uh, on Showtime, Jeff. Yeah, I think I because yes. I bought with the, the the dollar for two months thing. I got Showtime and AMC Plus. So that you you, you made I'm it watching. under the wire, Jeff. You, you, I did. You, you called me out. You're like this. This information is too late, Dave Chen. But you made it under. <laughs> well, the it was wire. too late for me to get um, the star or whatever <laughs> it was that you were recommending on another channel that I didn't buy. AMC Plus, perhaps. No, I got AMC Plus. Oh, okay, I got AMC okay, Plus and Showtime. Cool. There was like a. I think it was another stars or something else that got you it, guys were it. recommending something. So on. comedy store is streaming on Showtime, which you got through Prime Video channels. Yes, uh, which was on sale on Prime Day. So thank you for cleaning that up. <laughs> awesome. Streaming am, is uh, so easy now. Yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, if only somebody would bundle all these together. Mm. Um, I'm a huge stand-up comedy nerd, as people who listen to the show are well aware. Uh, I love stand-up comedy. I love the science of stand-up comedy. I love dissecting it. I love hearing people. I listen to podcasts. I mean, there's infinite number of stand-up comedy podcasts, but there's there's really good ones like, oh, I don't know, The Good Ones, um, which is a great uh, comedy podcast. But there's, I, I, I love, I love the art of stand-up comedy. And the comedy store here in Los Angeles, where I'm still living for a little while longer, um, is this storied place with a long history. And this documentary series delves into that history of the comedy store. But I think this documentary series is just awesome. The way it's structured, it is not an A to B to C story in the sense that you start with the first episode and it chronologically goes through the history through the last episode. Each episode kind of chronicles the long history of the the store, but focuses on different individual comedians, kind of chronicles their careers and how they intersected with the place, the tendrils of the comedy store and how it is 
how it has uh, resulted in all these different people that have long comedy careers on television and in films. Really beautifully done. Tons of footage that seems special, you know, uh, home videos of people, uh, recordings of stand-up sets at the comedy store, uh, really you know, young versions of famous people, you know, Joe Rogan when he's in his 20s. And the list goes on and on. There's like old David Letterman. There's a whole episode sort of focused on David Letterman. And uh, it's just tons and tons of great footage, snippets of old stand-up sets that you've never seen before that are hilarious and great stories about this chaotic, crazy, drug-infused lifestyle that surrounded the place for many years in the 70s. And then, you know, sort of transitioned into the 80s into, into this different kind of feel where the place almost went under. It, it's a really wild roller coaster story, but I love the structure of the documentary where every episode feels like a complete arc. And then you start again and, and it just kind of delves into different aspects of it and things were going on. And, and, um, it, it, I can't recommend it high enough. I really watched what I thought was going to be one episode and ended up spending multiple hours on the couch. Like I I don't want to stop watching this. It's great. All right. Well, that's the comedy store documentary. Is it, is it just called the comedy store? I think, right? Yeah. It's called the comedy store. It's just called the comedy documentary. Right. Yeah. I believe it's a five part documentary on Showtime. So yeah. Uh, check it out. That is what we have been watching this week. Let's do some quick weekly plugs. Welcome to Weekly Plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something we have been in or something that somebody else has made uh, that we think is awesome. This week, uh, I had a chance to watch Black Widow and uh, made a little non-spoilery video review of it on my YouTube channel. So La-ti-da. Uh, can be a, it can be a little amuse-bouche. Seems for like our... you're really proud of yourself about that, huh, Dave? <laughs> a little yeah. amuse-bouche for our re- full review of Black Widow, which will be yeah. forthcoming in the Once, the once again, sharing so. the wealth, really. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mo- I mean, most definitely, you know, that's not really how it works, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. anyway. You, you know, as a, as a group, what one can ask for, you know, screeners for all of us because we're mm-hmm. doing this as a podcast. Yeah, yeah. three of us, like teammates, yep, colleagues, co-hosts. friends. Might even you might even say. <laughs> anyway, yeah, check out that YouTube review, Black Widow, on my mm-hmm. YouTube channel. Okay, Devinder Hardwar, what have you been? Uh, uh, what's a plug you want to make this week? I want to just shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast where we talked about a bunch of things, uh, Samsung and little bits of Mobile World Congress that happened. But actually, we we at the very last minute got to get our hands on the latest like operating system betas. So if you're at all interested in hearing about what iOS 15 feels like or macOS Sierra, which I've been running or, or the latest version of Windows 11, uh, check out that episode. Uh, it's me and uh, my co-host, Sherlyn Lowe. We talk about all those things. And they're, they're a ton of fun. It's an exciting season if you are into computer shit. How about that? <laughs> that right. computer shit? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug? Hey, I do a science podcast that is infused with comedy. Some would even call it a comedy science podcast. Award-winning. We actually have won an award. Multiple awards, actually. For We Have Concerns, a comedy science podcast I do with Anthony Carboni. Uh, I don't talk about it a lot on this show, but I'm proud of it, and I think it's good, and you can uh, learn something and laugh along the way. 
It's irreverent, it's silly, but we actually dig into some pretty cool science and sociology and psychology and, you know, esoteric topics, but fascinating. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. All righty. Those are our weekly plugs this week. Let's get to our review of No Sudden Move. You said a man wants to see me. Ali Albert. Can't come in here. What is he, white? Oh, boy. So what's the score? We're sending a man that works in an office to pick something up. You are part of a babysitting team watching his family while he does it. Good morning. Everything is normal, except... What do you want? Is that something you'd say? Normal Monday? That was from the trailer for No Sudden Move, newest film by Steven Soderbergh, written by Ed Solomon. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A group of criminals are brought together under mysterious circumstances and have to work together to uncover what's really going on uh, when a simple job goes sideways. All right, so that's the plot summary from IMDb. And right off the top, I'm just going to tell you guys that when we get to the spoiler section, the spoiler section will spoil the film Uncut Gems. <laughs> so I'm not gonna okay. not gonna explain how, but uh-huh, it will spoil uh-huh. Uncut Gems. So once we get the spoilers, and you haven't seen Uncut Gems, you don't want to be spoiled. You tune out of that spoiler section, okay? I do I'm not really want wondering any... what this is going to lead to. I'm yeah. gonna spoil Uncut Gems. I'm gonna give a pasta recipe. <laughs> I've got six digits of a phone number that I used to have in high school. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All that stuff. Okay. Okay. So. No sudden move. New Soderbergh movie. Uh, the the cast is incredible. Like just unbelievable star power in this movie. You got Benicio yeah. del Toro. You got Don Cheadle. You got Brendan Fraser. I, I, I'm not joking. Within a 30 minute span of time, uh-huh. last Friday night, I got two texts. Uh, within a 30 minute span of time, one of them was from Jeff Kanata. Uh, who texted me? I'm trying to pull it up right now, but you you, you text me in disbelief that Brendan Fraser was in the movie you were watching. Yeah. Right? Well, yes, because I I he's in the first five minutes of the movie, and I was like, wait a minute, that's not is that that can't be here. Is here's the text: me watching the first five minutes of No Sudden Move. Wait, is that Brendan Fraser? Literally minutes after I got that text, a separate, completely separate group of friends <laughs> texted me. This is awesome. This is confusing. Is that Brendan Fraser? <laughs> Listen, so, we all miss Brendan Fraser. There's yes. been a a hole in our pop culture yeah. with him like kind of AWOL for a while. Uh, that's why I was recommending Doom Patrol because he's fantastic in it. You got yeah. John Hamm. You got uh, Julia Fox, Kieran Culkin, and Amy Simetz, as well as Noah, Noah Jupe in this movie. David Harbour. Yeah, mm-hmm. David Harbour. Just, just incredible cast. So with that star power, and with Soderbergh kind of going to a, a crime thriller, his crime thriller roots yeah, that he's, he's a explored. master, right? Yes. Yeah. In movies like, I would say like Traffic is probably a good comparison to this movie. Um, uh, it also has some similarities, in my opinion, to um, his last movie, uh, mm-hmm. High Flying Bird. There's a bit uh, of Aaron Brockovich in here too. Like there, there's, yeah, stuff. Stuff affecting people. And there's also crime. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> in your heart, or what did you think of No Sudden Move? You know, you'd think with this cast, um, written by oh. Ed Solomon, who I, I typically enjoy. Don't like uh, what don't this say, is going. Don't say uh-oh. Don't say uh-oh. 
<laughs> you'd think this would be a complete you know knockout right this is this should be a perfect film soderbergh knows exactly what he's doing this is his wheelhouse and i i think it's a it's a good movie but it didn't like to me like it lacks a certain energy it uh it was really telling going from watching the limey a movie i consider a masterpiece um to watching this which is it feels like it never quite gets going. You know, I, I think of like these great movies. Um, I, I guess the way I recall movies, right, is just of the scenes I really want to rewatch again. And for the limey, it's practically every single goddamn scene. You know, I just love that movie. And this one, I'm like, well, it kind of starts off almost feeling like a wannabe gangster movie at times, like just the way it's written, people repeating things back to themselves because that's what tough guy gangsters do uh i think there's a situation like once things coalesce inside a house and there is a bit of a hostage situation i think things get really interesting uh but yeah to me this movie kind of coasts at a certain level it never like really jumps beyond that i was probably expecting more given this cast given like all the talent involved like i I don't feel like it's the direction isn't particularly inventive or anything here. Uh, the Even the editing, which, you know, is Soderbergh's big thing. Um, it, none of it just felt like it felt like he was on autopilot a bit with this movie, but it's still enjoyable. I think it's a perfectly fine crime thriller. And once you figure out what this movie is actually about, mm. I was like really into it. And then yeah. I was thinking, why, why, why are we talking about this now? Like I want, <laughs> can, can we have been talking about this like throughout the movie? Can we like set up the narrative for why, this is kind of a big deal um, instead of like low rent gangster stuff at the beginning. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but it was, it is definitely not my favorite Soderbergh. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on no sudden move. Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on no sudden move are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Though I'm perplexed by how it ends. The movie itself (laughs) transcends in every capacity. And what audacity to shoot the whole thing with that lens. (laughs) Yeah, quite a lens. Nice nice rhyming audacity with capacity. That's that's very good. Good rhyme, Jeff. Thank you. Nicely done. Uh, I basically disagree with everything Devendra said. (laughs) This is full on one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, One of my favorite Soderbergh's. I thought this was enthralling. I was there from the word go. I love the twists and turns. There are awesome uh, surprise double crosses and uh, just like everything you want out of a juicy crime thriller. The way the movie delivers information and, and meets it out to you. I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time. I didn't know who to trust and who not to trust. I I absolutely loved it. I thought the 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 performances were awesome i love the script i loved h- how we learn things about these people and and all of their relationships with each other nothing is handholdy or spelled out for me it's all like i gotta intuit what's going on i gotta use my brain and, and listen and figure out oh my kind of movie for sure um and as i said in the limerick crazy the way he shoots this like he's got this incredible a team of players i what i consider to be a top-notch script and he's like what if we just shoot it through this 
comical circus lens. <laughs> what if we just shoot I mean, the that's, whole that's movie? That's what he's been doing for the past five years, right? Like, uh, I'm just going to do this I with guess. an iPhone, okay? The, yeah, one right. of the worst cameras we've got around. I'm just going to do the whole movie on this, okay? Yeah. It's it's wild. Like, the fact that he's that confident that this is going to work, and it does, when he's shooting it in, in a funhouse mirror. I mean, it's this <laughs> crazy fisheye lens that he shoots, I would say, 90% of the movie with. Um and vignetting, he's like vignetting the image. It's wild. Uh, where like if you if you I, I'm to spell it out, if you have not seen the movie, a character can walk to the edge of frame and they're they will be distorted. They will their frame will be stretched, their their it, it will look wild and weird and fish-eyed. It's like so he shoots most of the movie, and yet it somehow kind of works and it, it makes it feel intimate and and dangerous and cool. Um I was so into this movie. I've been recommending it to people all weekend. Um, really dug it. My my only response to that, Jeff, is uh, her. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, well, no, 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 I, it's I fine. was it's somewhere fine. in between you guys. Let, let, uh, let me just say, by the way, like Amy Simons is incredible in this movie. Yes, like she is juggling so many things at once. So I absolutely, I wanted more of her. To be honest, uh, among everything else that was going on. But yeah, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I. Uh, overall, I like this movie. I think you should check it out. I think, uh, Devinger, you hinted that basically this is a stealth social justice movie. And I'm, I'm sort not, of, yeah. not yeah. going to explain the details of that until we get to spoilers, but like, you think you're watching one thing and then it, it really is kind of a bigger thing. And it's fascinating that like a lot of Soderbergh's movies uh, have to do with social justice. You watch movies like Side Effects, which is about the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. industry, or Contagion, which is about and Aaron health. Brockovich, like yeah, that's Aaron his Brockovich, thing. Uh, Traffic, arguably uh, even the High Flying Bird, the movie that was shot using iPhones. Like um, he he's very concerned when he's not just having fun with movies like Ocean's Eleven or Logan Lucky. He seems to be very concerned with like making his work mean something, and I really admire that. Um, mm-hmm. I think this movie starts out real strong. Love the opening thirty minutes. It's super tense and. Then everything after that, I feel like, is still good. You know, these actors are so good, they can make anything they do interesting. But it does get a little bit too twisty for its own good, in my opinion. Like, I, like I'm paying pretty close attention and mm-hmm. yeah. watching it with, you know, captions on. And, you know, Ed Solomon, I think, has talked about how, like, he wanted to make, or I don't remember who involved in the filmmaking. <laughs> it might have been Ed Solomon, but it's Steven Soderbergh. But, like, they, they wanted to make it so that, uh, you know, people don't show up and say, well, if it isn't my brother who I've known since I was a kid, <laughs> yeah, you know, like right. they wanted to like make it so that you had to work to like understand what's happening. Totally. And, and I should say, by the way, world. did yeah. you guys ever see Mosaic, that weird project that uh, he was doing with uh, Soderbergh? No, never did. I yeah, that was the, like, the series. It was a series, right? It was, so it's, it was an iPad app. Right. It was like yeah. almost like choose your own adventure and there were multiple right. storylines. So I love I love these guys and the fact that they love to experiment. You know, it's uh it's it just sometimes doesn't always work for everybody. Yeah. But uh, so I thought it got a little bit too twisty for its own good, and mm-hmm. I thought some of the stuff towards the end was very, very clunky. But I agree, I agree with that. I, yeah. I put that in my limb right yeah. you heard. But overall, uh I, I, I dug it. And also it's very funny at times. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of there's a handful of like really great one liners. That are just like I'm gonna remember them after I finish watching the movie. So uh, and after we finish talking about it. So yeah, overall I was a fan. Um, starts out great, kind of loses its momentum, and then the end is a little bit of a mess, and we'll get to that in a bit. But 
I'm kind of right there with you, to be honest. Like, I I just think I think I'd flip it around. I think it starts off a little weak because it takes them a while to get to the house. Um, So I think like that maybe the second half of the first act and the second act. I I think that was kind of well, yeah, the the still first act, though. And I thought the house was awesome. Like that that stuff was all amazing. So Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, those are some overall thoughts. Uh, why don't we get the spoilers? Let's get yeah. the spoilers. I just want to say David Harbour is amazing in this movie. He's yes, really he's good. very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Dave Don Cheadle is too. I mean, it's, yeah. everybody's good. All right, let's get the spoilers for No Sudden Move starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're going to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be... All right, spoilers for No Sudden Move starting right now. So I gotta say that this week I watched coming. Yeah, this week I watched a movie where Julia Fox hooks up with some guy who ends up getting shot in the head while she flees in a car uh, with a bag full of his money. Wow, wow, well done. But enough about uncut gems. (laughs) It's really her thing, isn't it? (laughs) Let's finish talking about No Sudden Move. You guys like you guys like I set I set that up. It's, I uh, it's pretty good. I had to had to warn people about that spoiler before I yeah. before I set that up. That was good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's good. Thank you. It was planning yeah. production value. That's called production value, baby. Is that what that's called? Yes. I don't think that's what that's called. No, that's what it's called, Jeff. I don't think that means. What well, you think I would it means. understand why you don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no sudden move. Uh, so my biggest all, problem with the my biggest problem with the end is like the guy just lets Don Cheadle go. Yeah, I, I didn't get yeah. that at all. I didn't get that at There's all. There's a lot of things that happened that I did not get. Well, my yeah. understanding of the end was that they had planned that whole exchange mm-hmm. together. I did not get that. Yeah, the, the, they, maybe, that was my perhaps. interpretation was like they had planned like all In, this stuff is going to happen. You're going to extricate me from this situation, you know, et cetera. Right. Yeah. But why would they don't have he doesn't have the money. Also, yeah, well, he got like five thousand no, dollars. No, he got, I guess he he's got, free. He, yeah. he, got, he got five thousand. He got his his half of it. He got yeah. his half of it. Right. So. I thought it was only five thousand. It wasn't even like a big amount. So, so yeah, uh, a few things. First of all, love the opening sequence. Just, just these are just assorted notes. Love the opening sequence. Um, Amy Simetz, the house sequence. Right, is so tense. It's- Unbelievable. I was, like, I was so like, good. What, you don't. You, anything could happen. You have no idea what's gonna happen. Um, Amy Simetz delivering the line. I don't know, maybe because like they hate happiness. You know, like, I just thought that was an incredible <laughs> Dude, line. Like incredible people delivery. coming to the door during mm-hmm. the, at the house and like how they're how they handle that. Yeah, so good. all of that. And she's like, "I bet that doesn't end. It's not the end of it." Yep. <laughs> nope. That's not the end of it. It's it's so it's all so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Kieran Culkin character just getting uh, yeah. executed right off the bat, like super shocking death. Awesome. Not, not the first time that actor has been like randomly <laughs> like played a character that's been yeah. abruptly killed while yeah. you're watching yeah watching something so like love that stuff. Um, then like I said, kind of a little bit kind of a little bit clunky in the middle, you know, like just as they're unraveling all the the machinations of different people, um, and then the ending with Matt Damon, <laughs> Matt Damon showing up. What what is up with directors and Matt Damon cameos in Act Three of films? Right, I think he's the guy's just here. available. You know, yeah. he's just like, yeah, I'll do two days on this movie. I him, like, he, he was trying to get Clooney in for a big role, and they wouldn't say which one, so it's probably that. And mm. Clooney wasn't available to shoot during COVID. Mm. Yeah, but I was not a fan of Matt Damon just straight up saying the themes of the film. 
Um, <laughs> they, they didn't do it at all until then, so I guess they kind of had to do it then, yeah. Right, but it, it's kind of cool, right? Like, I think it's kind of cool that this movie is a movie about uh, big auto cartels, right? Like, And, right. and how uh, these people perpetrated this injustice on the American people, and no one ever got in trouble for it. And right. this movie, which is ostensibly a crime thriller, is how most American people are finding out about it. Yep. Um, and that that's just a cool idea. I just wish that when they got through to finishing the swing, it wasn't so clunky and on the nose. Jeff Kanata, what did you Mm -hmm. think of that ending speech with Matt Damon and all that stuff? (laughs) I thought it was cool because it it comes out of nowhere and you're like, you're in a different movie now. And and, and I like how he comes in basically takes over the movie. Yep. And in the sense, it it feels like this inevitability, right? I'm, I'm bigger than all of this and I'm going to win and he does win, and it, it is this. I, I I think it contributes to this feeling of like I'm the I'm the guy who's legal here. Everything I'm doing is legal, mm-hmm. and yet I'm perpetrating the worst crimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm doing all it all on the up the and end. up, and yeah. I'll, I'll stare you in the face and tell you you're going to lose, and you are going to lose because I have the power, I have the money. That's how it's going to be. And I just thought that really expressed that that feeling of of like well the you know it's this this late stage capitalism that is more potent than any of these crooks you know these these guys with guns like, you don't need a gun to perpetrate a a massive theft or a a great crime on the world you don't need a gun you just need a dude in an office you know and i i thought that was cool mm-hmm. on the flip side i love that scene with john ham and Matt Damon at the end. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. that yeah. was awesome. He's just like, I, you know, I'm not even gonna. You want you want you want me want some liquor? Like he doesn't even need to be bought like, off. He's whoa, so whoa, eighty dollars a liquor. Wow. Yeah, he doesn't even. He's not even gonna think of taking the money. Like he's so subservient. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, like that. I thought is delightful and subtle, and it kind of it tells you everything you need to know. That like, yeah, he. Matt Damon trusts this guy completely. He's not even thinking about stealing yeah. money, even though he's like, yeah, you undercounted it. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I must have missed that $30,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Bill Duke, pretty awesome in this movie. Always Just awesome. showing up, Always being good a to see Bill Duke. I love Bill Duke. Right. Give me Bill Duke in one scene, right? We'll talk about that in the limey. But, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, yeah. it was a cool through line yeah. with the two Soderbergh movies with mm-hmm. Bill Duke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's cool that he's, he's like, just oh, showing up. Yeah, there's cool. years that have passed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Still a badass, though. Um, ar- totally. Arguably more of a badass now than he was d- back during oh, the yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. So, uh, yeah, love all that stuff. And then the the David Harbour storyline was interesting. This is, this is, I think, the big crime of this movie, you know, yeah. so to speak, yeah. is that... You, I'm so caught up in David Harbour's fate, and then he just vanishes for the second act of the film. Right? <laughs> right. Like I'm so into like what they, like what he's doing and how is he going to balance having this affair with like being part of this crime drama and also having a family. Like it is, it's impossible. And then the movie's just like we're not, we're not really, we don't really care what he's doing. And <laughs> that I thought was kind of a disappointment. Yeah, um, a little, a little frustrating. And then by the time like you get around to more of what he was doing with that secretary, I also wasn't clear exactly like he had a deal in mind or like he was going to do the thing before I th- the boss I, did the thing. My my, what I gathered, and, and maybe I'm drawing mm-hmm. the wrong conclusions, but what I gathered is he literally makes the the uh, the um, 
proposition, yes. mm-hmm. which causes the crooks to be hired to steal the Correct. thing. Correct. Right. Because they're right. like, we're not going to deal with this putz. We'll just have our dudes come in and steal it. And, and, uh, and then the thieves' solution to stealing it is to force David Harbour to get the document. Exactly. So he should have just done it himself in the first place. Exactly. Wouldn't have people holding up his family, you know, and, and so on. Dude, that scene where he's like, I'm going to punch you now. This is me oh, punching you. So good. I'm so going to punch you. It's so awesome. So awesome. It, it, you know, I, I would never wish bodily harm on any other human being ever. But it it, it uh, made me think of, you know, what an average person working in a job might <laughs> feel about, like, wanting yeah. to hurt their boss <laughs> if they're very frustrated with them. Um, I, you know, I, me, David Chen, personally, a huge fan of my boss. But I can imagine someone out in the hmm. world who's not uh, being frustrated and they would want to exact some bodily toll but would also feel bad about it. But I don't <laughs> even think it's that. I think it... it it's the opposite of that. Like he, he's like, I love my job, and that should show you how important this is to me right now. That I'm about to, I know I'm going to get fired, <laughs> but this is like, like he's. It's such a great scene because you're yes. like, I am forced to be, I'm forced to do this, which should show you, based on how much I do not want to do this, like how bad of a situation I am in right now. Yeah, it's such a great logical. <laughs> through line it's great uh, i also loved that scene when benicio del toro throws a blanket on that woman he's taking hostage i know <laughs> and like takes off the mask like, he's like who among us hasn't been there like <laughs> yeah especially just, in covid yeah, you know we it's like take this... the mask off and so you just like let's just throw a blanket on this person you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, i'm not really able anything. to deal with you right now yeah <laughs> he throws the blanket over yeah yeah but uh yeah, ultimately, like it, it's a it's a story about America and the injustices that the wealthy and the powerful have perpetrated upon among like uh, minorities and also the poor. Um, and you know, how successful do you think it was at doing that? Right, like Devinder, you're saying you feel like the message kind of came in a little bit last minute, and I kind of agree. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it, the whole movie. It, it, again, it's like a stealth setup. You don't know that it's going to be yeah. about that until really they're the saying, end. They're saying, I've read some interviews and they're like, guys, we, we got cars throughout this movie. There are scenes that take place in cars. You get it? Cars. <laughs> but I think, I, I don't know, like, yeah, I feel like there's a happy medium, right? Because I think there's some movies, again, like some of his other movies, like Contagion and Side Effects. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like you know that side effects is about the pharmaceutical industry. You know that contagion is about public health and how we handle pandemic, like pretty early on in those movies. And they still manage to tell really interesting stories. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this movie, you don't really know what it's quote unquote about. It is completely separate. Right. Until the last third. And, and so I feel like, uh, I don't need the movie to like spell out the themes in in graphic mm-hmm. detail, but I feel like there's some happy medium between yeah, yeah. you know we're not introducing this until the last third really in any earnest way versus you know it's mm-hmm. it's super obvious and clunky and and kind of yeah. you know well I don't uh, not I don't elegant. disagree with you entirely I, I I think there is a version of the movie where we kind of are aware of what's it about what it's about and yeah. it infuses everything we're seeing so I don't I'm not completely in disagreement. But I did like the the fact that it, it it it's a twist in and of itself that this is like this we're we're in this gangster movie we're in this movie about the underworld about these seedy characters who've all have these dark pasts and and yet the thing that trumps all of it mm-hmm. 
is industry. unexpectedly yeah is straight up american corporate business mm-hmm. like that is just what is going to put all of them in their place is just I, I the think, power and and ubiquity mm-hmm. of american corporate interests mm-hmm. i just think it could have been seeded better which is probably why the the matt damon scene is so big right and so forceful because they were like oh shit we gotta they we got a lot of everything out to do. yeah they're like yeah. yeah we gotta just put everything out mm-hmm. there in this watching this movie made me think of uh killing them softly a movie i didn't really like too much at the time but honestly just thinking back on it and thinking back of the last decade uh that movie you know spoke a lot of truth and i think did it in the guise you know that movie was also about America being a big business, basically, yeah. and you know the way capitalism kind of destroys us all. But it was also essentially, you know, a, a mob, a gang movie, a gangster movie too. Uh, but I think done ideas were seeded throughout that thing in right. ways that were interesting and uh, you know just not as blunt as this. And there is a big speech at the end of that movie, but it hits with an impact, which I don't think the uh, the Matt Damon one did for me. Well, for, first of all, mm-hmm. I I loved killing them softly yeah, and i, I, should I believe I've, that. I've always yeah. loved it right like i i was a huge fan it bombed completely in box offices yep. like it made very little money and i remember you complaining about how clunky it was to vindra because it did feel clunky yeah because there was like barack obama speeches going on throughout the whole movie right or like yeah. it was barack yeah. obama or george w bush is like one of those guys like uh or it was like the transition between the two if i recall correctly and it mm-hmm. was like um they're playing these speeches in order to juxtapose and contrast the vision of America that Barack Obama is projecting with the CD reality that mm-hmm. we all live in. And yeah, it is a little bit clunky. Um, that said, better I than mean, this. Yeah. Well, to yeah, me at least, yeah. It, it might've swung too far in that direction. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, ultimately it got more right than it got wrong. I, that movie is awesome. Like people should yeah. watch killing them softly. It's so good. And I, I do think that it, it is a little heavy handed. You know, I was talking about how like you got to have a happy medium, right? This mm-hmm. one maybe doesn't do it enough. Killing them softly, maybe it's a uh, you know Goldilocks. It's like th- that one's this one not enough. Maybe that one a yep. little too much, yep. right? And then some other movies, you know, right down the middle, like Side Effects or Contagion. It's like it works with or without the themes, right? And I think Killing Them Softly very heavy handed, but that mob storyline hits yep. great also opens with an extremely tense holdup scene, by the way, it does. <laughs> so a lot yeah. of similarities between the two films, but if you haven't check out killing them softly, yet, I actually, I do think that movie is like a little bit of a better film in terms of landing its point than this mm-hmm. one is. Um, but they're both great films, killing them softly and, and no, no sudden move. I think are both totally worth watching. Um, all right, folks, any closing thoughts uh, on no sudden move as we wrap up here? Um, just trying to think here. I mean, yeah. it is, it is, is honestly kind of shitty. Like the, the actual situation they set up here and right. end the movie on it. I guess you're thinking about, huh? I guess these, uh, these industries really don't have our best interests at heart, huh? It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just like a thing that keeps coming back to yeah. me when I look at our, you know, impending climate apocalypse. The sea is on fire. Buildings are crumbling. Yeah. Everything's and falling apart. And it's not apart. new. Yeah. It's not something that just started in the last few years. Like the fifties, they're like, yeah, fuck everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I so desperately mm-hmm. want to talk about the tomorrow wars perspective on climate change, by the way. Um, but that'll <laughs> yeah, have to wait. For I, dude, I thought yeah. that was so clever. Yeah. The way it, the that'll way have to wait for that another, in. another yeah. day. Another day. I thought so, that was mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I agree with you that, uh, the ending is a little chilling in, in terms of how, um, white collar crime is simply not punished in the same way right, as other crimes. And or at all. 
Yeah, or at all. And uh, it reinforces the idea that there's two Americas, there's two justice systems, and how effectively it does that, how effectively it lends a message is completely up to you. You know, I think, I actually think it's mixed in terms of effectiveness for all the reasons I've discussed, but Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff, like you're, you're the biggest fan of this movie. Like what did the ending say to you? Like personally, everything we've been saying, I, I, I think I, it worked for me. I mean, I thought it landed pretty hard. I like, I like the, I like movies where, I'm constantly asking the question throughout and the movie is interesting enough that I still want to know the answer at the end if it hasn't told me yet. The question in this case being what exactly? What exactly are they after? Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that the movie isn't necessarily always about that, but that question looms throughout the entire film. It's like, what is this? And there's a really cool moments in the, you know, where they're like, what's just like, it's just a carburetor. Is that what it is? It's like a muffler system. Is that what we're, it's, and it's Mm -hmm. so, it's so, Interesting how the characters are in the dark, the audience is in the dark, and then the movie sort of lands, this other foot comes down at the end, and you go, oh man, all of these people, that you know, so much of the movie is setting up these big players, you know, these there's these names of these big mobsters, like, the whole beginning is like, uh, did so-and-so, is this a so-and-so job? No, I never, I'd never work for that person. You know, the, you feel like there's these big players in this game, and then some of the big players actually enter the stage of the movie and throw their weight around. And there's these big things. And then at the end, it's like, no, no, they're all little guys. They're all little mm-hmm. guys in the face of this machine that is American capitalism. That is the, is this industrial complex of greed, you know? And I, I thought that worked. I thought it worked entirely because it was a last minute, wallop you know it's like oh you thought that all of these people had power or they even thought that they were playing in a in a in an arena that they understand Mm -hmm. and they weren't they were never in a position to win they just couldn't and i think that in and of itself like is the theme that resonated with me Yeah, yeah great well well said jeff i think another thing though that you bring up that i wanted to mention is this is one movie, it's very rare, where the MacGuffin becomes the theme of the, like, it's a crucial right. part of the theme. It's of the actually film. important. The whole, yeah. Yeah, the whole yeah. time, I'm like, oh, yeah. it's just a MacGuffin. It's not important. Like, we don't actually right. need to give a shit what actually it, it is. And then it turns out to be theoretically central to what they're trying to say with the movie. Right. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. And that's cool. I think that's a hard thing to pull off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, I hope Soderbergh kind of keeps going with this. Like, uh, who killed the electric car, right? Give us the dramatic gangster retelling <laughs> yeah. of that whole right. story. Just make yeah. everything into crime thrillers, climate yeah, really change. Yeah. And you know, like he's got to do yeah. a climate change one next and all this other stuff. So, all right. Those are our thoughts on no sudden move, uh, mixed bag on the podcast. But I, I think overall we liked it. No one thought it was bad. So yeah. I want to uh, like it more. I think that's my main takeaway. But yeah. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week on the podcast. In the meantime, find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Our theme song comes from Adam Warrock. Check out his music at Bandcamp. Our spoiler bumper comes from Kyle Corwith. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. And I do want to mention, by the way, that at the end of the day, it's still pretty impressive that Steven Soderbergh made a movie. Mm-hmm. Use the hashtag slash tag. <laughs> If you want to uh, recommend films and TV shows for us and check out patreon.com slash film podcast. If you want to support us 
monetarily, of course, never support us. If it is in any way a financial hardship, you can always go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for us. That does help a lot. We'd really appreciate it if you could do that. Uh, our After Dark this week at patreon.com slash filmpodcast is going to be a discussion of the Limey and some other stuff that you will hear if you are a subscriber. Again, at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. And next week, we're going to be talking about Black Widow. New <laughs> film on Disney Plus Premier Access. It'll also be out in theaters. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad, it's the slash film cast. For all the news and the movies coming out, cause you know that it's the thing worth talking about. Weekly plugs are part of the show each week where we plug something we've made or... Yeah, that's a new thing. That's a new thing that oh. uh, Zencaster it, it plays it on Infinite. And I don't know how to turn it off either, Dave. <laughs> happens to me all the time on oh, DLC. Boy. Great. This is great. Yeah. The rest you of the gotta, show you now. Have to click it. You have to click it to stop it from playing. We have to keep going. Just let it keep playing. <laughs> yeah. Just constant through the rest of the show. That's what yeah. we're going to hear now over and over. Amazing. Underneath. Amazing. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.